The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. It is The Jesse Kelly Show, another hour of The Jesse Kelly Show. And I can't believe I'm saying this. You know how we don't really ever do guests? It's very rare. We don't really do phone calls, maybe once every couple weeks. Very rare. Tonight we're doing two guests. We had Selena Zito on. And about 45 minutes from now, we're having Adam Coleman on. He's going to talk about the GOP and black outreach and some things like that. But... Man, maybe this wasn't the night to have two guests because we we have Fauci talk today. We have Jennifer Granholm, that genocidal maniac talk. Uh, Rear Admiral Buttgig talk. ATF director talk. Randy Weingarten, communist John Denver talk. A little story out of Minnesota that I, I don't know that we have time for everything. So you know what I want to talk about first is that's a lot of major issues, right? I want to talk about something incredible I just did with the chicken wings that I got for me and Chris. And what? For me and Chris and Michael. So we ordered chicken wings delivery. And you know how you're in the restaurant and you see the waiter walking around and he walks around. He clearly has a big table and he has all these different plates and things like that all up and down his arm. And he's just masterfully walking through the restaurant as, as he as he weaves his way to hand over all that delicious goodness to somebody in a restaurant. That's basically what I just did. I went down for the chicken wings because I don't know what Chris and Michael were doing, probably drinking beer or something. But I personally went down for the chicken wings and I get handed two huge bags and a big case with the sodas in it. And 
most mortal men would have just quit. They would have just left something down there, maybe thrown a bag in the trash. Not me. I took the sodas in one hand because I need my right hand free. I've got to open doors and press elevator buttons. I took the sodas, held the sodas in my left hand, then took the huge bags and stacked them all the way down my left arm. And as I was walking through, I even passed a couple dimes. They were getting on the elevator to go do, who know, I don't know, powder their makeup or whatever they were doing. I could tell. I could see them looking at me, and they were so impressed. They were, What? They were, Chris. They were so impressed. They, they had a little twinkle in their eye. I was like, hey, ladies, I know it's impressive, but I'm married. I appreciate it very much. Stick with it. You can find a man who can do this one day, maybe. Anyway, that's enough of that. Get to the Fauci stuff. Fauci's still out there running his mouth. The point that I made in my response to, to the reporter in the New York Times article was that what it is is that there was a personification of me as a person who essentially closed everything down. Those were public health recommendations that came from the CDC, and I have always been very supportive of the CDC because they base their recommendations purely on public health issues. And the point that I made that as public health officials, it's our responsibility to give the public health perspective to it. The decision of how that balances with other considerations really comes from other authorities. And I dogged on Fauci for that yesterday because I hate him. But here's the truth. And this this hurts. It's going to hurt to hear, but here's the truth. He's not necessarily wrong. Dr. Fauci doesn't have any authority. Dr. Fauci's a public health guy. Dr. Fauci can't issue orders to have you close your business or your school down. He can't. And this is what I was screaming about. You longtime listeners will remember. This is what I was screaming about so loudly for so long, especially at the very beginning. Day one, I was screaming about this. How is Dr. Fauci... The only person who's allowed in the room when the decision making happens. How is that? How could anybody be that negligent? How is that humanly possible? We're not the United. We weren't the United States of COVID. There were still a bunch of other considerations in this nation. Yet all of them were just tossed aside like they were nothing. Dr. Fauci's kind of right here. I just made public health recommendations. It's not my job to concern myself with the economy. It's not my job to worry about schools. It's not my, I'm there for the pandemic. If you wanted some kind of a balance, that's your job. The point that I made in my response to to the reporter in the New York Times article was that what it is, is that there was a personification of me as a person who essentially closed everything down. Those were public health recommendations that came from the CDC, and I have always been very supportive of the CDC because they base their recommendations purely on public health issues. And the point that I made, that as public health officials, it's our responsibility to give the public health perspective to it. The decision of how that balances with other considerations really comes from other authorities. He's not that wrong, is he? Now, look, let's be honest. We all know what's going on here. This is the rewriting of history that they're all doing right now. All the pharmaceutical companies are doing it. Fauci's doing it. 
I'm going to play you some testimony from communist John Denver today. She's doing it. They're all trying to act as if they didn't do the things they did, as if they weren't locked down people and I didn't do the damage and I didn't cause you to lose your business and I didn't wreck your child's learning development and I didn't and I didn't and I didn't. Fauci's out there saying he wanted schools open. The real issue is how long do you keep that shutdown? How long do you keep the schools closed? And if you recall and go back on many of the things I've said in a lot of interviews is that we've got to do whatever we can to get the schools open and get them open safe and keep them open. And I've said that many, many times. But the initial decision early on in the middle of that crisis, I believe, was the right decision. How long you kept them closed really varied depending upon the locale. Hey, man, I just told you to close them. If you kept them closed... That's your problem, which brings me to communist John Denver, also known as Randy Weingarten, the head of the teachers union. We've talked about this before, and I don't want I don't want to bring this up again because I brought it up last night and it was a little depressing. And I got this really sad email from some guy who I really hope he's okay. He said he was uh, Let's see if I can find this thing really quickly here. Uh, premier, sorry, this is very professional. It's right. this is this is the one, Jesse. I listen to your show every night and I enjoy it. I'm listening right now, but I'm tired, so tired of it all. I'm 67 years old and I see my country just disintegrating before my eyes. I'm setting my car on a back road right now and I want to end it all right now. Say something to give me hope. Well, have some hope, okay? Don't hurt yourself over what's going on in the country. We need you around. For every day, God wants you here. That being said, I've got something really sad to say. COVID, it's similar to what I said last night, but for a different reason. COVID, it revealed something that hurts me to this day to bring up. COVID revealed that we are more corrupt than the other Western nations. And if you want an example of that, wrap your mind around how crazy this is. The CDC, the Center for Disease Control, based some of a large part of their pandemic response off of what the teachers union wanted. You want to talk about a gangster country. My goodness, listen to this. Just don't know. I, I understand that. What, but but what, me, when, when was the first time you engaged with CDC in any way, shape, or form directly? The first time yeah. was when they asked us to do the Zoom. I think the first time. Look, I'm 65 years old. I don't remember everything anymore. I'm sorry. I just don't know. Oh, the, the, the back, back when we were coordinating with the CDC? What? Oh, man, I don't know. I'm just too old, but setting, setting that aside, the Center for Disease Control in your country, in my country, in the country we love, coordinated with the teachers' union for their pandemic response. You know how crazy and corrupt and broken that is? And not only that, nobody's in trouble. Shoot, they're all rich. All these people should be lining up for their Nuremberg trial right now. All of them. They should be lawyered up. They should be getting ready for their public trials that will be broadcast on public television because you, an American citizen, you have every right to a reckoning. 
You have every right to see these people, to see their trials. You have every right to see what happens to these people, to have the information revealed, the people who destroyed your liberty. When you have the Center for Disease Control coordinating with the teachers' unions, you have a late-stage republic. We are a gangster country now, and that is crazy, but we are. And as I said last night, this we're going to get this country back. You're going to know we're going to start getting this country back when these people start going to prison. Not hearings before Congress, not firings, not losing their job. Government people need to start going to prison. Jennifer Granholm possibly is the first one who should go. If you want another example of that as to why, I'll play it for you in a moment. But I just want to spoil it for you a little bit. Her plan, the plan of the environmentalists, is to destroy your food supply so a bunch of people can starve to death so the world will have fewer people. And, of course, that's all about saving the planet. The people leading Western nations are trying to starve you to death. Do you have an emergency three-month food kit for my Patriot Supply? All the leaders of the, quote, free world are openly talking about depopulating the earth. How do you think they're going to do that? Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now and get an emergency three-month food kit. You can save $200 per kit right now at MyPatriotSupply.com. Everyone in your home needs one of these. It ships fast. It ships free. MyPatriotSupply.com. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show reminding you, you can still email the show, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I am going to get to some emails. I just have all kinds of stuff I have to tackle. We still have Adam Coleman talking about the GOP and black outreach. Got that in about 10 minutes or now. Emails, all kinds of stuff. But I want to get to Jennifer Granholm, Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm. Don't roll your eyes. You've heard me say it before, but I need to remind you again. Everywhere around you now, the system is selling you on going green and climate change and global warming and going green and climate change and carbon. And we have to be carbon neutral or get carbon credits and carbon this and carbon that. And, and, and it all looks so fun and fluffy. I remember we sat down at IHOP for pancakes a couple years ago and the placemats for the kiddos, it was all kid-friendly versions of going green and why you don't need to drive a car anymore. So this propaganda is everywhere. And it all looks so nice, and it's all about saving Mother Earth. But I want to remind you of this. If you accept the extremely false premise that carbon is poisonous and is killing the planet, if you accept that, if you take that first step, that's the only step they need you to take, you are officially signing up to be a member of the most evil genocidal movement in the history of mankind because human beings are carbon. Our food is carbon. The world runs on oil and gas, everything. Either it's straight up powered by it or it's an ingredient in it. Oil and gas has lifted the standard of living of the entire planet. And if you choose to take that step where you accept the false premise that carbon is poison, 
you're a member of the club, the genocidal club. And whether you know it or not, and you probably don't, whether you want it or not, and you probably don't, I hope you don't, you are already taking part in the most evil genocidal movement in the history of the world. These people are trying to kill us all. And that's not an exaggeration. I don't have to play it for you again. Jane Goodall talking openly on camera about reducing the world's population to what it was 500 years ago. That's killing off about 6 billion people. I don't have to play for you like I did last night. Bill Gates talking about, hey, we need to get this carbon number to zero. The leaders of the Western world are trying to kill us all. Billions. When I say a billion, understand this. It's funny. I'll say a billion. They want to kill a billion people. And people will email in, Jesse, that's a little over the top, don't you? That's ridiculous. You don't don't understand. I'm just doing that for radio. I'm underselling it. A billion? If you were to offer Bill Gates a billion dead right now, in an honest moment, he'd laugh in your face and say, that's not near enough. That's not near enough. What are you talking about? Remember that one video we played for you a long time ago? We don't have it now, so you don't have to dig for it, fellas. But Bill Gates was uh, he was being interviewed. And again, these people, they can't hide their genocidal side. It just came out of him really quickly. He said, well, look, I was talking to Melinda, and we were getting involved in child medicines. And I got to tell you, I, it gave me a moment of pause. If I'm getting involved in child medicines, aren't I helping these people live? And it, it, was, it was just this naked honesty. The going green movement sounds so nice and it's Mother Earth and save the planet and and clean air. It's the ultimate anti-human movement and it will kill so many more people than Mao ever did, than Hitler ever did, than Stalin ever did. All it takes is taking that one little step from reality into the step that says the carbon you're breathing out is changing the, the, the climate for the worse. All it takes is that one step to become part of a movement that is the most evil genocidal movement in history. These people are going to burn us all. Jennifer Granholm, this is your energy secretary. Really take a step back and digest what this means. Do you support the military adopting that EV fleet by 2030? I do, and I think we can get there as well. And I do think that reducing our reliance on the volatility of globally traded fossil fuels, where we know that global events such as the war in Ukraine can jack up prices for people back home, it it, uh, does not contribute to energy security. I think energy security is achieved when we have homegrown clean energy that is abundant, like you see Mm -hmm. in Iowa. We think that we can uh, be a leader globally in how we have become energy independent. An all-electric fleet in the military by 2030? That means you don't have a military. That means the United States military that right now sits on top of every other one in the world If that was actually achieved, if we go with a a military running on solar panels and and who knows what else, bird farts or whatever they're going to counter or power this thing with, you understand that the United States military would get rolled over by Iran, right? And it's virtually unlimited. Any gas-powered military 
Any oil-powered military would steamroll us. She's talking about the elimination of the military. That's what she's talking about. And she talks about it openly. These are the people that have to go to prison. It's not enough to just rebuke them. People in this movement are a clear and present danger to the national security of the United States of America. They're genocidal. They should be stopped. They have to be stopped. We have to, we have to get in a form of government that will allow us to arrest these people. Bottom line. All right. All right. We're going to talk to Adam Coleman about a couple different things, the cities and the crime and, and the GOP's black outreach and other things. We're also going to talk about your cell phone. Briefly, just give me a second. I, I don't mean, I'm not trying to guilt you. Wait a minute, that was a bald-faced lie. I'm absolutely trying to guilt you. I am totally trying to guilt you. I am trying as hard as I can to be better about where I spend my money. Now that the corporate world has decided they're political, and mostly they've decided they're against you and against me, where we buy things is political. And you don't have to love that. I don't love that, but that's the reality we've been given. Switch from your garbage cell phone company. They hate you. Pure Talk, their CEO is a veteran. Their customer service, Americans who speak English. How about that? The same great 5G network is one of the big guys. Pick up your phone. Dial pound 250 and say Jesse Kelly. Ten minutes on the phone. Switch to Pure Talk. The Jesse Kelly Show. It's still real to me, damn it. Returns next. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and I can only assume, judging by the fact Chris played the worst song I've ever heard, that my next guest, my friend Adam B. Coleman, made the terrible mistake of not choosing his music, which means on the Jesse Kelly Show, you get the worst song we can find on short notice. However, he is a good guy and a good writer. He's my friend Adam Coleman. He wrote a great article today in the New York Post about Democrats having no answers and the GOP appealing to black Americans. Adam, your musical choices aside, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, that, yes, you're absolutely right. I couldn't think of a song, so that's my fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, the, the article itself is basically talking about, uh, stemming from Bill Maher's statement as to why no one talks about uh, the level of violence that exists in, in certain uh, black communities and urban areas. And I was explaining that the reason being is because it exposes a lot about how Democrats aren't doing enough in these areas. And much of it is a class issue because the areas that it is happening are in the poor areas and black people live in, in you know, uh, upper class areas and lower class areas. Right. But the ones that they care about are the ones that are above a certain tax bracket, the ones below it, not so much. Um, the, you know, it's just like you see the Democrats who wanted to fund the police until, well, they need police in their neighborhood. Um, so it's a lot of hypocrisy and it's a lot of failures from that side. But on the other end, one of the things that bothers me is when we look at the violence that happens there and the lack of policing and things of that nature. And then they say, well, black people voted for this. This is what they wanted. But the reality is in a place like Chicago and not Chicago is not alone. It's all over the country. In urban areas, Republicans are absent. Like there's no other way of putting it. And when I tell people that, uh, you know, it's been since the 1900s, the early 1900s, 
since they elected a Republican mayor. Um, New Orleans, I believe, it was the late 1800s mm-hmm. since they, you know, um, elected a Republican mayor. Like, are you telling me that it's all because they just love Democrats so much, or one party is choosing to go elsewhere? And we have to start asking these particular questions. I agree. I agree. We should ask these questions, but I will circle back to something you were talking about 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 them voting for this. Now, you're right. The GOP has not introduced itself. I remember when I had that guy on who was running against Maxine Waters a couple times, and he said the black people in my area. This was out in Compton. He said they've uh, Collins was his name. He said they've never met a black. They've never met a Republican. They've never met one. I'm the first one they've ever met. But in situations like Chicago. I've been saying that specifically because there were two Democrats on the ballot. It's not like there was some Republican they've never met there. There were two Democrats, and they picked the one that was going to trash the neighborhoods that are already bad. And that we have to have some way to explain why this continues to happen. Why is there no new—if it's not going to be a Republican political movement— why isn't there a new, at least clean up the neighborhood political movement? I know those movements exist within the neighborhood, but politically they don't. Why don't they? Well, because right now Democrats are lazy and they choose the progressive ideology first. Um, you can do a whole lot with symbolism and it doesn't cost a whole lot to do it as well. So as long as you show that you care without actually doing anything about it, like you can that, that's basically been their platform for you know, the past number of years, especially like the past five years, as far as I can tell, maybe even longer. But there's a, there's a whole lot to the symbolism aspect that Democrats lean on. Um, and the progressives are just masterful at it. Um, and nothing gets accomplished and nothing is done for them. But I, I think that there's, I, I would have to see what's the voting pattern of Black Americans within Chicago. Because uh, within the article, I was pointing out that the registered voter turnout was 30%. So I don't know how that breaks down demographically. Um, But to me, as a city, that kind of tells me that a lot of people have checked out. Um, So I don't know. It's just kind of whoever decided to go to the polls had more sway. And maybe there was more of a progressive push. Have we checked out as a nation, Adam? All of us. Have we? Are we more apathetic now? Are we disheartened to the point that we don't care enough now? Um, I think locally, yeah. Uh, for a lot of areas locally, we've turned to national media. We've turned to the federal government. Everything is higher level. Nothing is lower level. Nothing is local. And so we sit at home when there's local elections. Um, we don't really think it matters. And in, in cities, major cities across this country, it's extremely important. They have a lot of power, a lot of influence. And yeah, I think a lot of people um, are kind of checked out locally. I don't know about you, but it seems like our country has party silos where the Democrats take the cities and Republicans basically get the rest or at least get a mix of the rest. And it just stays the same way decade after decade, and nothing ever really changes. It's just a new face, same ideas. Some of those ideas work. Most of them don't. And, yeah, I can see how anybody would be kind of demoralized no matter which party you vote for. 
How do we get to the point, because you're right about the local politics, that's why I hammer on this so much. We talk about Biden and Trump and all the, and DeSantis and all these things when people can't name one person on their city council. But how did we get that way? Because the, the beauty of local politics is I can run into the, someone in my local school board when I stop at the store to get Doritos on the way home tonight. I'm not running into my senator. He don't live by me. I'm never going to talk to that human being. How did we get so, how did we separate ourselves, divorce ourselves from the politics that has the most to do with our area? Um, this is just my speculation. The death of local news is uh-huh. part of it. Um, we've basically nationalized and corporatized local news, um, you know, where they're owned by one, you know, media conglomerate or a handful of media conglomerates when that wasn't the case back in the 90s. So there's that portion. Um, you know, the death of investigative journalism to go after locally, uh, local corrupt uh, politicians. That doesn't really happen, um, not in the same degree. Um, and then, you know, 24-hour media, 24-hour news, everything's going to be nationalized and because you can sell that story across the country. So you can sell, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene is a bad person to anybody anywhere doesn't matter that she's, uh, you know, a representative from Georgia. You can make her America's uh, boogie person uh, and, and just keep running for it. So I think all those particular things is why we start looking more and more um, at the federal government, at national issues, at national stories, and we take our eye off of local issues. His name is Adam B. Coleman. Go read his stuff. Subscribe to his stuff. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Have a good one. You know what's wild is uh, on that local news aspect of it. When I was a kid, this was just something that was known when I would hear adults talk about the news. It was just known. The national news probably couldn't be trusted. But you would get really, really good journalism out of the local news. If there was a, a local money laundering scheme, Oftentimes it wasn't the cops that that would do it. It would be some investigative journalists and they'd run a special on the nightly news. And then, oh my gosh, did you hear that Pete's butcher shop closed down? They were running drugs out the back and it was, it was done by the nightly news. And I don't know. I, I, that's probably a really good way to put it. It all got nationalized and corporatized. Anyway, anyway, you know what? We're moving on. We have other things. We have emails, Elizabeth Warren's an idiot, and much, much more still to come on the world-famous Jesse Kelly Show. Hang on. Truth. Attitude. Jesse Kelly. It is the Jesse Kelly Show reminding you, you can email the show, your love, your hate, your death threats. Everything can be emailed to jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I, I do need to get to all these emails, but I just there's too much other stuff to get to. I'll get to the emails in a minute because Jennifer Granholm, Energy Secretary, kept on going, and this was a nice little doozy. I want to ask you about Microvast, which is a lithium battery company that operates primarily out of the People's Republic of China. Your agency granted $200 million worth of a grant to this company. You're aware of this, correct? Um, there were awards that were there were selections that were named and all of those country companies are going through vetting process to ensure that there are not um, there's no money flowing to countries of concern 
And so that those vetting processes are going on. Not a dollar has gone out the door yet. Okay, and I think you've gotten you got a letter um, from a member of the Senate asking what those security protocols are and what the test. You could see yeah. how um, concerning it would be that Chinese-owned businesses or companies. We don't want to see uh, the dollars going to any countries of concern. We want them to be uh, coming. So is it your commitment that no dollars will go to any company, any energy company, taking advantage of either tax credits or grants? that are owned by China, by a Chinese company. No state-owned enterprise will get uh, funding. Well, we don't want to make, we, we don't, it's not going to go to a country of concern. Okay, well, so you're saying it's not going to go to China? Oh, no state-owned enterprise is going to get it. Except it's China, and it's all state-owned, even when it's not. Remember, the CCP doesn't directly own every business in China. But China is not America. The, C, the CCP, they can walk into any business anywhere. If this, was communist, if this was a communist China, they could walk into the Jesse Kelly show right now. And they could say, Chris, you're fired. Uh, we're putting wallpaper on the walls. And Jesse... You have to do every show shirtless from now on. You're welcome, ladies. And guess what? We do it because they would be in control. It's not a free country. The CCP controls every company. $200 million of your money out the door to communist China. Friggin' ugh. All right, you know, we got to get to the rear admiral and got to get to emails and the ATF director. And we have to get to my stupid dog. Like, what do you want me to do? I love the idiot. All right. And I want him to be around a long time. And I don't want to have to take him to the vet because, you know, Fred, on top of his extremely low IQ, Fred has anxiety issues. So when we take him to the vet, he just breaks down. He just emotionally just breaks down. But Rough Greens has taken away the digestive problems that came with that for Fred. And they've taken away how often I have to take him to the vet. I mean, you read through the testimonials of Rough Greens. The length of time these dogs live when you get your puppy on rough greens, man. And I want Fred around a long time. We're talking about a healthier dog. We're talking about a dog. If your dog's lethargic or hyperactive or his coat's fading or man, give your dog nutrition. He's not getting any of it in the dog food. The dog food's all dead. Rough greens, you pour it on his food. You don't have to change his food. Just pour it on there. Gives him everything he needs. Vitamins, minerals, everything. Go to roughgreens.com slash jesse, all right? Roughgreens.com slash jesse. Or call them. That's easy. Look, calling's easier. 833-33-MY-DOG. 833-33-MY-DOG, all right? All right, now to the rear admiral. And believe it or not, I'm not going to tear apart too much of what he says here. I'm going to tear apart how he says it. And now, when you hear it, you're going to hear it, and you're going to cringe because you listen to the Jesse Kelly show, and now you hear this word everywhere, too. Why do you think some Republicans are stalling on this? Is it because they're too busy focused on starting culture wars? Well, I do think that the culture wars uh, are getting in the way sometimes. I mean, uh, just the other day, I was testifying 
in the Appropriations Subcommittee explaining how our budget was going to help with things like railroad safety, air traffic control, and other transportation needs. And we had to take a break so that they could all go and vote on a bill to kick uh, transgender teenagers off of sports teams. That was the priority uh, for the House GOP that day. So these things really are getting in the way of our ability to get work done. We're literally... We're literally... I'll let him keep going. Building bridges, and they're literally banning books. Is the We're literally building bridges. They're literally banning books. Uh, I'm not going to go off on this. I'm gonna, I've already, already yelled once this show, and I don't like yelling at all during the show. I'm not going to go off on this. I'm fine. I'm totally fine. I'm just going to once again say I am not a violent pers- person anymore. I want to... What, Chris? I'm not a violent person anymore, okay? I'm a mi- well, If I get the wrong food, someone's going to get hurt. But for the most part, no. Shut up, Chris. Anyway, I'm not a violent person anymore. I'm a man of peace now. That being said, literally, we've got to kill it. And I've been thinking about this for some time. I think it needs to be a public ex- execution. We need to take literally, and we need to do something. We need to go full Aztec, I think, with literally. So we need to take the word literally, and we need to bring it up on top of a pyramid with all the people gathered around. And we need to just throw it down and tie it down on that slab, just like the Aztecs used to do to people, only we're doing it to a word right now. And then someone needs to pull out the obsidian knife and I'll be honest with you, because I'm leading this movement, I get I get to do this, so I'm going to hold the obsidian knife. Chris and Michael can hold down literally's arms, and then I'm going to carve out the heart of the word literally right there. And when I carve it out, I'm going to pull that Indiana Jones thing. I'm going to pull the heart out of the chest, and I'm going to hold up literally's heart in front of everybody because I want everyone to know literally is dead. Do you see it? You've murdered it. I didn't murder it. You murdered it. You abused it. You overused it, and now the now it's dead. You've killed it. And then you know what I'm going to do? It's going to be epic. I'm going to I'm going to cock my arm back, and because I can I actually can throw and catch really well, and I'm just going to gun literally out there, and I'm going to throw it into the crowd, and so all of a sudden the ladies will be screaming, "Oh my gosh, the heart just hit me! I got some blood on me!" But that's not enough. Actually, we're not going to stop there. We have to continue with our Aztec execution of the word literally. Then we're going to st- right there in front of everybody. We're going to do what the Aztecs used to do to little kids, only we're doing it to the word. We're going to chop off all the limbs right there. We're going to chop off the limbs. What, Chris? And we're going to start chucking the limbs down the stairs of the pyramid. Here, this is what's left of literally. You see it? This is what's left of it. You did this. We didn't want to do this. You did this. And that's what we're going to do because I can't can't deal with it anymore. And you know who else can't deal with it? The wife and kids. Now, I don't do it to the wife. But now she's screaming at me because I do it to the kids all the time. And now she said she hears it everywhere. Every time she hears it, it drives her crazy. And, and she's blaming me for that. But the kids, I'm now the obnoxious obnoxious dad. I'll just interrupt them mid-conversation. So, Dad, I was literally walking down the hall. And I'll say, literally? And it, you see them, they catch themselves now and they're so aggravated. And I get that. I get that they're aggravated. But I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. This word needs to die. All right, but I'm done with that for now. Because we have another hour left and we actually do have important things to get to, like eating bugs 
and the ATF director wants to kill us all and a lot more. Thomas Massey's awesome. Much, much more still to come in the final hour of The Jesse Kelly Show. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.